The Pinball Network is online. Launching Pinball Innovators and Makers Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Pinball Podcast focused on the innovators and makers who are crafting homebrew, custom, and retheme pinball machines, the technology that makes these personal projects possible, and the companies helping with these journeys. Custom pinballs are a deeply personal and technically challenging undertaking, requiring time, money, knowledge, and most importantly, the desire to make it happen. I'm Dan Rosenstein, your host. Join me and let's go under the play field and see what's needed to make a custom pinball possible. Hello, pinball makers and innovators. It's episode 19, and we have been interviewing makers and innovators across the pinball hobby for a full year. I'd like to thank each guest that took time to be on the show and all of you listeners for going under the play field on this journey with me. It's been intriguing, humbling, and a ton of fun. Thank you. To celebrate our first anniversary, I have Greg Bralt and his homebrew beer fest. Welcome to the show, Greg. Well, hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. I didn't realize this was the one-year anniversary. Are you sure you still want to go through this? <laughs> Ab- absolutely. Beer Fest has always okay. been one of my favorite movies. You've got an amazing machine that I've gotten to play. I don't want to get ahead of myself. So, you know, wh- uh, we met at Pinball Expo in October. I saw Beer Fest, got to play it. Others got to play it. You had it set up there. So before we talk more in detail about Beer Fest, which is really what everybody wants to hear, why don't we hit, learn a little bit about you? Uh, let's talk about your origin story. How did you get into pinball? Okay, well, um, I'll start off with I, I'm no by no means like a very skilled pinball player. I'm I'm just kind of medium the road. Um, I really got into it. I remember in junior high. Um, for anyone who knows what the bus time NTN uh, bar restaurant type trivia is, there was a place that we would frequent, and in their basement, which was kind of a more of an adults crowd. I'm surprised they let us kids in there. Um, <laughs> there was a game called Cue Ball Wizard. And before that, I hadn't really played much pinball. But every Wednesday, we would go and play trivia. And after we'd get done with the trivia game, we'd go and play a couple games of, of Cue Ball Wizard. And uh, people have different thoughts about that game. But I loved it. That was kind of my you know intro game. And me and my buddy, he was actually my brother's good friend, we we had set a contest after playing for about you know six months. We were like, hey, all right, let's see who can build the best pinball machine. All right, now I'm like 12 years old, right? 13 years <laughs> old. I'm like, deal, let's go. And uh, I won at the time because I bought a piece of plywood and I drilled a hole in it. And I think my dad got me some of the ball bearings. So, you know, he didn't do anything. So I obviously won that one. But um, that really got me into uh, electronics uh, as I reflected on, because I figured you were going to ask me an origin story. I realized that at that point (laughs) is where I really got into digital electronics. Uh, The first thing, and I think the only thing I really tried to tackle with that pinball machine was a way to display digits, um, you know, using a seven segment display. And so I went to the local Radio Shack and got some books from the library and learned about what bits and flags were and uh, all kinds about digital electronics. It was a 7490. I don't know how low level uh, you get, but some of your listeners might might know that it's a BC. I, I, I have a box of 7490s downstairs. <laughs> right. So that was kind of my first chip. And I'm like, this is freaking cool. You know, I can like 
give it power and and tell it you know what to do count up count down that's about as far as the pinball machine got with it but i really took that and i i started to learn more and so that's kind of what got me into engineering in the first place um and then yeah about 2021 ish um i i had decided that it was time to do a pinball machine i had done lots of projects in my past um I've made little embedded MP3 players from scratch. I do all the circuit design and then embedded, usually in C, coding. I've done wireless buzzers. That was the other thing that got me into electronics because I found out how much those old high school buzzer systems cost. And I'm like, $500? I could do it for a lot cheaper. <laughs> so so really, yeah, it was about three years, two or three years ago, and I, I decided to take the plunge and... Um, yeah, I just used the, you know, internet for a lot of research and kind of jumped in feet first. So let, let, let's, that's an amazing origin story. Um, I didn't, I didn't know that you had so much electronics background and, you know, we had, we had talked to big logs, so yeah. that's why I love doing, do, doing these interviews. Um, so when you were, you know, when you were in middle school, um, junior high and, and had the bet with your, with your, with your friends and your brother, um, you went and built that, that machine, you did the, the displays, um, and it's it's amazing. You went to the library and got books and learned how to do this yourself. Um, have you always like had the knack? Have you always liked to tinker and and build stuff? Or was this really the first time that you went down that road? Or does it go even farther back than than your very first pinball machine? Yeah, no, I've always been a tinkerer. Um, much to my mother's lament, uh, all of our flashlights would be missing their light bulbs because, and probably batteries because. In fifth grade, I learned how to wire up a circuit, and that like fascinated the heck out of me. So uh, I was taking apart VCRs, much like other kids of that age, you know, that are just inquisitive and want to know how things work. So yeah, I've always been, I've always been a tinker. I've always wanted to like make things from scratch, even though you could go out and buy, you know, an MP3 player. I had always wanted to to do things like that. So yeah, I've I've always been that kind of mind. So let's talk about that first that first pinball with the with the ball pairings that your dad got. Um, so you made a seven segment display for it. Um, how did you register the whatever whatever the the the, the rudimentary score was? Like, how did you decide what to put on that display? Uh, how, did, how did it actuate? Or maybe I talked it up more than what it was. I literally only had a piece of plywood with one hole drilled into it. There were no switches no software there was no code so really oh, oh, you, you you didn't talk it up like that's how you explained it i'm trying to understand like what did you do with this like connect to connect the seven segment display to the to like mentally to the plywood yeah so i basically bought a breadboard and i got the seven segment to either count up or down and that's pretty much as far as i got i i never i never went as far to like hook it up to a switch and then put that switch on the play field. So, so really so was it, it was, yeah. Was it manually actuated then? Like you press a, a yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. So like yeah, you, it was, you, you go, stick go, go. a piece of wire into the breadboard, you know, to, to complete the switch. I, okay. you know, I was a poor junior high student. So, I so, so, so there were two projects that were related, but not integrated. There was the electronic seven segment display and the, the, the plywood with the hole. And yet You're that's, right. yeah. that's, that's the foundation. I mean, that's more complex than many of the first pinball machines of the early thirties. So, yeah. you know, other than it had only one hole rather than, 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 
than a few more. That, that's an amazing story. Uh, what what was so interesting about Cue Ball Wizard? I realized that it was it was a game of opportunity because it was there, but obviously something attracted you to it. So what what was that? So I did love playing pool. I've always liked playing pool as a kid. And I don't know, that combination, especially with that cue ball hanging out in the center, I had never seen that before. Um, and, and like I said, people have mixed emotions about, about that game. But I loved it. I love the call-outs, the audio for it, because it was it's an obvious ripoff of like a Clint Eastwood, right? But maybe they couldn't get the rights to have his voice in there. But all the art, you know, he kind of looks like an old Clint and – and in uh, the callouts, you know, we're, we're just great. So yeah, you know, being a, a junior high kid, and like you said, uh, the opportunity was there, and that's what we played. And you know, I'm always looking for that game whenever I go to a new joint. I'm like, yeah, they got Cuball Wizard. Yeah. I'm I'm actually a big fan of Cue Ball Wizard. Um, I there's something about kinetically hitting that that cue ball and seeing the little ball make the big ball move. It's like I mean, you, you know, as an engineer, I know how how that works. So you know, I've I've learned it you know 30 times over over my life, but still, just seeing it, it's it's always interesting. So I'm with you. Um, I happen to also like Capcom Breakshot, which is another kind of modern pool a, a pool themed machine. Um, and so yeah, I, I I think those pool themes are 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 amazing, especially the ones that you know as as we went to digital. Um, yeah. So the uh, um, so in a in a game like you you went down the design journey um, lit, uh, you know as as your your time progressed. Did you um, play more pinball and find out like what you liked, or really it was cue ball wizard? And then a number of years later, you worked on you worked on your 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 homebrew. Yeah, it, it started with cue ball wizard, and when I first decided that I want to to build a pinball machine. I went online and, you know, I downloaded VPX and I, I played a few tables because, like I said, you know, I, I've played pinball before, but nothing, like nothing to the to the line of, you know, it was once a week for a couple of years and then I wouldn't play for a couple of years. Um, and so I kind of went online and tried to, you know, I did a lot of reading about what makes, it, at least as much as I could, about what makes a pinball game fun what makes a machine playable, you know, the shots, which are things that I had never really thought about um, prior to that. And, and I know I didn't get it right on the first time because I was probably six months into my build. I, I had, you know, some kind of MDF board and I went out to play some pinball. We were living in Florida at the time. And I, I realized, Hey, these tables, they're a lot faster than mine. Mine seemed really slow especially when it's like bouncing down in that lower third. And so that kind of made me tweak the game more. But yeah, I tried my best to to look, you know, talking about shot flow because all of that was new to me. And I, I'm still learning about like what makes good shots and and why that could be a bad shot. I got a lot of good feedback at, at the two or three expos that I've been to the last couple of years. So um, in, in playing those machines, you said you were going sometimes once a week for a year and then you'd go a, a while, a couple of years without without. What were some other games that started to, to mentally show up for you when you're doing your research, you know, in reading? What were what were some games you, you kept coming back to and said, this is what I like in a pinball machine? Hmm. That's a good question. Nothing like comes to mind immediately. I think I downloaded the Pirates of the Caribbean demo because, you know, that, uh, or wait, no, that was one of the B VPX games. I don't think I could get demo Demolition Man to work for VPX. <laughs> um, but yeah, 
there wasn't really one game that jumped out at me. Obviously, I wanted like, not obviously, I did want like a standard Italian bottom for the lower third. And I knew that I wanted to uh, try and get the ball airborne at some point. That was my initial thought with the specifically now for Beer Fest. Uh, getting it airborne and maybe having that be like you're throwing the ball into a cup. <laughs> and I, I worked out a couple prototypes and I'm like, uh, that may, maybe that's too much uh, uncontrolled of the ball. You know, I, you know, I, I, I'd prefer the ball to be more controlled. I think, what is it? The NBA, the Shaq game. Does that have the, yeah. yeah. So something like that. You know, I just decided to make it a little more controlled. So I definitely knew that I wanted an elevated play field because I knew I wanted to have the beer pong cups in there, you know, because it's called mm-hmm. beer fest. So right. that's, that's got to be a staple, right? <laughs> so, um, were there, uh, just going down this line a little bit longer, um, were there any designers that started to pop up as you, as you were playing or doing your research? Um, that that you were like, wow, I, I like how you know this person does this or that person does that, or really it was it was just kind of everything. It was just kind of everything. Um, I joined the Facebook group. Uh, that was helpful. Um, they they give a lot of great feedback. So the the, you know, the, the Facebook group strictly custom pinballs. The Jake strictly Jake custom, yeah. yeah, strictly uh, custom. Yeah. And, and also VPX for those that don't know is virtual pinball X. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, so, uh, er, you know, Ernie Silverberg, he was one of the first uh, uh, people that I kind of interacted with. He saw my 3D printed uh, lower third for like rails and, and and whatnot. So he asked if he could have those 3D printed designs. I was like, sure. And we just started talking, you know, uh, after a week or so, we were talking on the daily because that's when he started his League of Legends game. So we were bouncing off ideas. So, you know, that, that was great to have someone like him to lean on. Yeah, he's a sharp dude. Ernie's absolutely fantastic. He was actually on episode three of the of the podcast for those who are catching later and want to go back and listen. It was a really good interview, and I would love to have him back on. He's one of my absolute favorite people in this hobby. Um, so so with that, you know, you talked about how we got here. We've, you know, you've we've teed up beer fest, we've we've thrown the ball into the into the cup a couple of times. So let's actually go go there. How did you decide of all the themes out there, beer fest was the one to make a pinball machine about? <laughs> Right. So I told my wife, uh, you know, we were watching TV. I'm like, I think I want to make a pinball machine next. And she's like, oh, that's cool. What What are you thinking for a theme? And I'm like, huh, I don't know. And we had just gotten done watching the movie uh, a couple weeks prior. And I, I threw around a couple ideas. I, I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. So I, I'd been wanting to, <laughs> to look at making a Seinfeld machine, too. I think that would be great. Okay, um, awesome. And just kind of it, beer fest popped in my head. And I'm like, you know what? I think that would be a pretty good machine to do a, a pinball uh, theme with. You could do a lot with like the different beer events, um, you know, and kind of incorporate just kind of the silliness from the movie. That, that's kind of what I was going for. And So in, in addition to the silliness of the movie, um, for those who aren't familiar with it, can you like the, 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 the nice thing about the theme? Let me start there is that it's not a theme that is widely known, but those that know this movie and know the comedians who worked on it are like, like these are some of the funniest people in the last 20 years. So why don't you tell a little bit more about what the movie is, what it like, w- what it inspired about you, what you liked about it besides it just being fun? Well, I do like to drink beer. Uh, so that's <laughs> a, that, that is the first inspiration. Uh, so I thought it would be a good movie uh, because I can incorporate a lots of events from the movie. So 
the basic theme of the movie is there's a group of friends that uh, decide to visit uh, Munich, Germany, for an Oktoberfest uh, because they need to spread their grandfather's ashes. He he had passed. So uh, the grandma sends them over because there's a supposedly some uh, some big burial spot for their family name over there in Munich. And so they go. Uh, they couldn't find in in the in the standard Munich, you know, with all the tents, they couldn't find the person they needed to find. Um, ultimately, they stumbled upon an underground beer games fest that that happens at the same time as the Oktoberfest and all kinds of crazy events like chugging. They call it volume chugs, so chugging as much beer as you can uh, from one giant mug. Obviously, you've got Das Boot. That's the final event. You've got like upside down monkey chugging, they call it. Uh, 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 you know, the beer pong, standard beer pong, quarters. Um, so I felt like a lot of those things I could easily adapt into a, a machine, um, to, to kind of give you the feel like, Hey, you're, you're one of the, you're one of the characters. And, and you're right. Like people will walk by and I can tell who's seen and who's not. Some people look at it and they're like, okay, I don't, whatever. And then people glance at it and they're like, no way. <laughs> F and beer fest. <laughs> I love this movie. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's few and far between those who like really know the movie, but it it makes it worth it watching them play. And you know they're noticing things about the machine that oh, that's from the movie. <laughs> so um, with with that, have you ever been to Munich? I have. We finally yeah. went to Oktoberfest. Uh, I think it was twenty eighteen. So I uh, it, it, I'm assuming you had a good time at Oktoberfest. I don't think anybody has yeah. has a bad time. <laughs> um, I've been to Munich a, a, a few times in my life, and. Each time that I've been to Munich, I've ended up at the Hofbrauhaus. Um, and like I, I, I've told many people that I feel like my soul was like left at the Hofbrauhaus. And like every time I walk in there, I light up and I'm like, this is where I've been for the last thousand years. Like I, I absolutely love that place. And I like the very first time I didn't even know the Hofbrauhaus was there. I was drinking with some buddies and like I, we stumbled all through Munich and like that place called to me and somehow I ended up there with him and there was just like drinking and like, you yeah. know, singing and, and everything that ensues. And so when I saw your machine, I, like it instantly brought me back to that happy place. And so not only, you know, is it beer fest and the movie's really funny and I like it, um, but you've done a fantastic job integrating the theme into all aspects of the machine, the artwork, the, the video assets in the screen, um, and when you look at the play field and you've seen beer fest and it instantaneously takes you to extremely memorable moments in the, in, in, in the movie. And then you have got the clips actually playing while those things happen. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. So with, with, with that, like, um, you know, and, well, thank and, you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're, you're, you're absolutely welcome. Um, so you, you already mentioned that you started with virtual pinball uh, X virtual pinball 10. Can you tell the listeners what you did in Virtual Pinball 10 or Virtual Pinball X that, you know, to, to, to start off with? Yeah, I kind of learned how to, first and foremost, kind of build the, the play field. Um, if you go to my if you go to my website, uh, which I you probably did, and I have a blog, uh, this was the first project where I actually like wrote down almost on a daily to weekly basis, kind of what what progress I've made and 
and, um, and and Greg, that was really cool to see. I will link the the it's it's ombrew.net, O H M B R E W. I will link that in the show notes when, yeah, oh, when it goes you. live. Yeah, and so so I kind of started just making a basic play field since I knew I wanted a upper play field or ramps. I kind of built that in there and and that was more to like test this new thing I had heard of called shot flow, right? Like, oh, you've got to make sure that <laughs> that the balls can get up the ramps and everything. And I just wanted to make sure that things were playable. I, I've only brought that to like a point where um I was comfortable that this was gonna work. I didn't I didn't flush out a lot of the details. I did have some audio callouts and there was some basic scoring. Um, but yeah, I kind of used VPX just to kind of get a mental image of kind of where I want it to go. And if you go to the, my blog, that website, you can kind of compare and yeah, there are some similarities, but some differences, you know, um, you know, obviously after having done a machine, you're not going to hit it right, right on the head, that first prototype. So you're always going to change something. <laughs> right. Right. So um, you, you did some basic play field layout there. When did you actually go to a physical play field and how did you start that process? I think it was about, if I think back to my schedule, it was about a, a month or so after I started with a VPX design, um, I went out and bought some MDF board and uh, just started painstakingly drawing out with rulers. All right, let's see. According to VPX, this hole is over here. And and that's kind of at the same time I started uh, with Blender, which is a 3D modeling mm -hmm. software for 3D printing. I have almost my entire machine modeled in Blender, and you know some folks, uh, from, some folks uh, like to do it that way. Some folks go straight to, you know, uh, a plywood board and start drilling. Um, I feel like I, I kind of have a balance. I I do like having the model there because if I wanted to make a change, I could spend a couple hours on the model and at least make sure that things will fit. Um, and the nice thing about that is then if it's a part that is 3D printable, I can go to the 3D printer and, and print it and test it out and then iterate on that. Um, had you so had yeah, experience that, with 3D printing before you started this project? Only about a year. I got my first 3D printer, yeah, around 2020, 2021. Um, so, yeah, I, I had about a year under my belt. I was I was pretty fluent with Blender. It's kind of a high learning curve at first, but man, once you get used to it, like I'm able to do do what I need to do in Blender, and you know, everyone has their favorite go tos for that that kind of thing. It just happened to be that was the the software that I stumbled upon. I run Linux Ubuntu at home, so I needed something that was available on there and preferably free. So I, I was going to ask how you ended at Blender, and as soon as you said Ubuntu, it made it made sense. <laughs> yeah. Um. So okay, very very cool. Um. And so did you find Blender to to have the capabilities to get you, you know, uh, through the build process or did you find any limitations? You're, you're The reason I'm asking is you're the first person that I know that has used Blender for a pinball, pro for, for a, a homebrew project. And so I'd like to, I'd like, I'd like to know a little bit and I'd like the listener to know a little bit more. Sure. It's probably overkill because there's a lot of stuff with Blender that like professional animation studios use because that that's kind of what it's claim to fame is at least from the reading that i've done but it can also do stuff for 3d printing so it definitely has a lot more uh well i don't want to say that uh i think i feel like it has a lot more features than what i would ever need and yes i could have went to like a fusion 360 i'm not sure what exactly they call it mm -hmm. and you know i, I might have been able to get up and running 
had I been starting from zero, but since I had already kind of used Blender and, you know, and that's kind of how I learned, you know, learn the ropes for 3D printing. You know, I'm I'm fairly proficient at it. So um, that's what I, I never really got any roadblocks from Blender. Um, other than, yeah, can't really think of anything. So it served me well. <laughs> that, that, that's awesome. Um, I, I noticed in your blog, you also used, you used or learned FreeCAD at some point what was that like a secondary project or was it for something specific you didn't couldn't use funder or you just wanted to learn something new yeah i needed freecad because i started dabble in the cnc ah. uh, the computer uh, uh drilling right so i wanted to do my own play field uh i was done with measuring and manual drilling i wanted it nice and precise and if you want to do that well you got to go to go to the cnc so uh and again, since I run Linux and Ubuntu, there's not a whole lot of right. really good options. FreeCAD is, while it has its drawbacks, is is pretty dang good for uh, you know a CAM yep. software. Uh, a bit of a learning curve with that as well, and things aren't necessarily hundred percent intuitive. But again, it it did the job for me without too much hair pulling out. Yeah, and, and can no, I don't be, have much hair left to pull out, anyways. But can can be in computer aided machining. It's uh, basically you can take information, kind of like a three D printer can go print something. A cam and a CNC machine can actually go and drill and cut. Um, right. And you know, the, the, those who've been listening to the podcast know know that. Um, and I, you know, I, I won't, I, you know, I won't sugarcoat it. That was a big learning curve for me too. I had never done any. I guess that's more of a subtractive process, right? You're you're cutting away wood, and I had always been used to an additive process, like 3D printing. So some of the vocabulary and, and terminology was new to me. I'm like, what do you mean feed rate? How do I calculate feed rates? Why do I care? You know, things like that. <laughs> <laughs> but again, they have a great community behind them too. So I, if I got stuck, go to the internet and, you know, wonderful did, people out there. Did you get a CNC machine during, during this time? No, no, I, I I pay to be at the makerspace here in Colorado Springs, and they have a nice. I think Avid is the company. It's like a nice eight foot by four foot. Oh wow! Yeah, that, that that's awesome. So, um, as as you were designing your playfield, um, you're you know you you had done some work in virtual in 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 VPX. Um, you obviously were refining shots. Um, and so how did you iterate on the playfield layout and then that includes both the shots but also the inserts and the information that you wanted to convey to the to the player yeah so in the high flux of the iteration which was at the beginning you know i still had my mdf i might have even bought a nice a nicer like cheap uh plywood at one of the big box stores not my final version at all and i was still manually drilling so if I wanted to make a change, like I realized my first go that my three pop bumpers were a little too far apart. The ball wasn't making that nice. You know? And so I needed to move one of them closer. Well, that left me with a huge, you know, two inch <laughs> hole in my <laughs> play field. So I ended up 3D printing a little circular thing and just glued it. Um, you know, there's uh, several ways that, that could have solved that one. But yeah, I would just kind of move things over and... Um, I'm of the type of mind where I don't like seeing stuff like that, even if it's a prototype, like I want it to be, I want it to be nice and neat. And so, you know, after I had a two or three whole changes for inserts and 
drop drop targets and holes like that. Uh, I would just go out and buy another another wood or do another CNC, um, especially with CNC because it makes it so easy. You, you move move one little circle, you know, and you can go print and and everything's nice and. Your, your uh, how many iterations of the play field did you actually end up building physically? Would you say physically? I think four. I and think I'm on the fourth one. I uh, the one I think that you saw in October was a previous version of the play field. I did change it. Uh, I've done two like very nice ones where they were clear coated yep. and and all that. Prior to that, I probably did yeah I think about two or three iterations of just and, either MDF. Or, and did you start CNC from the first one or you were drilling yeah. by, no, you were drilling by hand. Right. I was drilling by hand. I, I was on the precipice of a move back from Florida. I was retiring. I was prior, I was air force. Oh, and thank so you we for moving, your service. No, I well, appreciate that. We were moving back to Colorado. I knew that. And I started this, uh, I started beer fest about a year and a half before we moved. And I didn't really do any cabinet stuff until I moved back here, uh, just because our house was a little smaller in Florida. Uh, I was kind of cramped in this tiny, tiny room that my my wife calls it my room of death because I have <laughs> like <laughs> drills and tools and everything everywhere. And so yeah, I really didn't start a lot of the uh, real woodworking until about two years ago when when I moved back to Colorado. And Perfect. so yeah, um, you. You've also gone through a few iterations of the artwork. Um, do you want to tell the listener about that? Yeah. So the first version of the artwork, uh, I actually hired uh, my wife's cousin to do it. And that was kind of a back and forth. He was great. You know, he's a starving college, you know, starving artist, college kid. He does a lot of graphic design. So, you know, I paid him some money and, and he gave me some artwork. And that, you know, I rode that for about a year until I decided to, to change it out. Um you know, nothing bad on the previous art. It's just things didn't line up with the new features yeah. that I wanted to put in there. And um, so I kind of left that artwork. I still kept the, I was about to throw it out a couple weeks ago. And my wife was like, are you just throwing that out? I'm like, yeah, I guess I, I should keep it. All right. Yeah. So absolutely. I'll, yeah. I'll, so I'll keep that. We'll, we'll do a coffee table or something out of it. Um, and then when I moved back here and uh, I was doing a nice professional CNC, Playfield. I wanted to update the artwork, and so the version I have now is actually all me. And I say all. I heavily relied on uh, one or two guys from from Facebook. I'm sorry, I can't think of their name right now. I'll, I'll have to give them a shout out when this thing uh, airs. But you know, just walking me through things. I am not a graphic artist by any means, so things that I didn't really think about, like lighting and shading, because I would just always put you know, uh, a shadow like right. behind something, not really thinking about, well, why are you doing that? And so I definitely learned a lot about graphic art and what looks good and what doesn't look good. And it is not perfect by any means, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy with it, you know, and I learned a lot in the process. And that's kind of the reason that we all do this, right? We're always trying to learn more about stuff that we don't know. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and, including seeing and printing <laughs> yeah. and art. Um, so, so uh, what about clear code? You you said you have two play fields. I believe they've both been been clear coded. Talk talk about the process for how you went about that. Yeah, um, 
I didn't jump into that. I did a lot of reading and I decided I didn't want to mess with those chemicals. You know, there are solutions out there for people to do it at home. Um, I called up every pinball related uh, tech company or there were like six or seven of them in the Springs in Denver asking if they either A, could do a clear coat for me or B, recommend someone who would be able to do like one-off uh, projects and I didn't get anywhere. <laughs> so I started calling around auto shops because I read online, hey, I take mine to, you know, an auto detailer, a clear coder. And that's what I ended up doing. I um, I used the same guy at, at one of the auto shops here in town. First one didn't turn out as great. You know, I didn't really know it at the time, but, there were, you know, around inserts, that's where you really need the special care of someone who's done a clear coat on a play field before to make sure that the the clear gets gets into all those crevices right. and it wasn't you know it was still playable but it wasn't it wasn't super fantastic and so the second time he got a little better and i felt like he uh he owned it a little more he's like ah, i want to get this real good and that that that's awesome yeah. i didn't realize you took it to the same person the second time yeah. and he he did improve yeah. And, and so, yeah, he learned things from the first time he did it. And, and I felt like he, he really had pride in this one. He's like, we're going to get this looking good. And so, yeah, I was really appreciative that he spent, he, he put so many coats on there and we sanded it down, you know, uh, once uh, after I realized eh, this, this still isn't quite right. So, yeah, good on him. McCloskey auto that they're in Colorado Springs. And do, has he taken on other pinball projects since? No, actually, I think he's left that uh, to go on <laughs> to, to a different. So I'll have to, I'll have to look him up uh, to see if he still has all the capabilities at, at his new shop. So that that's awesome. You clearly spent a lot of time on your play field and getting that right. Um, so when did you make the 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 switch into the rest of the construction? And specifically, what did you do about your cabinet? Yep. So when I moved back here to Colorado, this would have been like May of 2022. That's when I started working on the cabinet because, as I mentioned, our house was a little too small in Florida. Um, and the funny thing is, like, that was one of the most difficult parts for me because I didn't own any pinball machines, never worked on any pinball machines. I really didn't have anything to, like, just look at and say, oh, OK, uh, looks like those... Uh, like the simplest thing, for instance, uh, uh, where to mount like hooks on the play field so that it lines up, uh, and getting that height to match with the plunger that was difficult for me because I couldn't look at anything. So I'm, you know, back to Ernie, I'm, I'm sending Ernie, you know, hey, hey, can you uh, measure how far your, <laughs> your holes are from the, you know, and things like that, where it's surprisingly difficult. And a lot of that information I, couldn't find online. I'd have to explicitly post in a forum, hey, how far apart are your, how wide are your in and out lanes? You know, and I know those things aren't 100% standard, but, you know, I just, I would like to know if I'm at least in the ballpark. So, yeah, that was really challenging for me. But again, I just kind of jumped in and I was like, all right, I ended up buying a flat pack from the Virtua Pin. Um, they're actually located out of Michigan, which is my home state. So that was, that was neat to to interact with that guy. And yeah, so I bought a flat pack and put it together and just started making it work. 
Um, and and so so that flat pack worked worked for you. So then, yeah. how did you go about about uh, artwork for it and and decorations? Are we talk about artwork for the playfield? Yeah. So for the artwork for the cabinet, um, I decided to try Fiverr, uh, and I posted kind of what my requirement is, and I got you know a few responses, and I had drawn out on paper kind of what I thought I wanted the sides of the cabinet to look like. And again, this is where the community um helped out a lot because i think i posted a version that i made myself and people were like eh, that looks too like clip art you know you're just copying and right. pasting you know the characters faces and i'm like okay i guess you're right you know things i never really thought about so i went to fiverr and i'm like all right i knew i wanted it more simplified and i think the bid that i got back was like yeah i can do this for 500 dollars." and i'm like whoa all right this doesn't seem that seems a little expensive for the simplicity. So I gave it a shot on my own. I found some background art and, you know, I've been getting decent at like Photoshopping, although I use GIMP again, cause I run a boot <laughs> Linux. So there's always got, you know, it's like Photoshop, but it's not, you know, it's definitely not as powerful, but it gets the job done. Uh, it's got a lot of good features in it. And so I kind of drew that up and, um, I have a good relationship now with uh, a sign shop here in town. Uh, you know, I'll email him some artwork and say, hey, uh, you know, how much to print this? And, you know, I apply the vinyl myself. It's all vinyl. <laughs> so I have them print it and I bring it home and getting a little better at the vinyl. That first go, you know, it was a little difficult. I'm trying to stabilize this huge piece of vinyl while trying to apply it. But Yep. You know. So, so is it just the stabilization that's hard, or is there like the how, how do you make sure that there's no bubbles or? Yeah. So I bought like a I bought a little plastic squeegee. I don't know if there's another name for that, but I'm still not great at it. I find it difficult to try and I don't know. I I try and fold it over slightly at the top because you know I I do print little extras on the sides, you know, and just hold it with tape. And you know, I'm kind of getting better. At, I think the first one I did. I thought it was lined up on one corner and then I, you know, I'm smoothing it out and I get to the other end and I'm like, oh man, this is like, <laughs> this is like two inches. Off. <laughs> so now I'm getting better about like, all right, let's got to use both my hands and try and get it lined up the best I can. Is there a type or method of vinyl printing that you, you prefer or based on your research or it's just whatever your shop can do? Yeah, it's pretty much whatever the shop can do. I haven't experimented, experimented, excuse me, more than just vinyl. Uh, the playfield that I have there, it is a vinyl oh, okay. playfield, and then there's clear coat on top of that. I know that's not the be the most professional, but it's you know, it's for it, it does a decent job for the speed at which I needed it and the ease the ease of it, you know. Look, you ultimately have a working, playable game, <laughs> sure. um, and I'm, you know, like I couldn't tell you if it wasn't artwork or uh, if it wasn't painted or vinyl decal until you would have said it. So oh, there, thank you. Yeah. There, there you go. And and color matchups have been have been fine. Like yellows turn out yellow and blues turn out blue. Um, not always. Yeah, there were a couple where he was like, eh, "This looks like it printed a little darker," and sure enough, and yeah, there were a couple times where he was able to print some proofs and. Um, and I was able to kind of pick and choose. All right. I think I want to go with that. That, that looks like it color matches better. And, um, surprisingly the 3d print material that took a couple iterations. The first blue I, I bought was just a little too dark. And I feel like 
that tone of blue that I have in there. Number one, it matched the artwork <laughs> on the cabinet a little better, especially for like the Bavarian flag uh, that I got going um, front to back. So yeah, it, it ended up being good enough, you know, in the end. <laughs> what what about the head unit? Was that part of your cabinet flat pack or was that a separate? It was, it was okay. yeah, the back box. Yeah, there's space in there to, and it's just a standard, uh, you know, back box. And um, for the top there, uh, I decided not to do a video display up top. Again, that's just uh, it's uh, acrylic glass with with the reverse print on it. And you know, again, I think I would probably do something different next time, just because I do have lights behind there and they don't shine through as strong as I'd like. So I'm sure that's because either the thickness or the material, you know. Um, but you do have a, a, a screen on the on the machine. Yeah, there is a screen. Yeah, there's two screens on my latest version. There's the standard kind of monitor that sits where a DMD would be. And then one of the reasons I decided to redo the artwork as drastically as I did is uh, prior to this play field, I just had about seven or eight LEDs that kind of acted like it was a beer mug filling up. And I would just turn on one LED after the other as I wanted to fill the mug. Uh, but then I, I moved over to like a mini HDMI HD okay. display, and that's what I have now. And I, I really love that because then you can show messages to the user, where to shoot, you know, things like that. Where Where is that located? It's kind of right above the flippers. So okay. it's like eye, eye level, you know, when you're when you're looking down at the flippers, it's like right there. That's so cool. Uh, yeah. which, which, which HDMI display did you use for that? Oh, it was from China. It took okay. like a month to get here. There wasn't actually a whole lot of options for the size that I was looking at. So, yeah, that was only one of a few that I had found, at least in the uh, limited research that I did. But it's working and then, out great. And then you had to create a partial insert so it'll sit in there, have enough yeah. space for something to go above it. And then also for the cable to be able to plug in effectively. Yeah. So, so I didn't think, <laughs> right. Didn't think about the cable until I tried to install <laughs> it. You know, I, I was easy. I may easily made a 3d printed mount for it below, but then I realized, I realized, Oh, uh, all right. This big honking HDMI cables got to get in there. So out came the Dremel and I, I basically just <laughs> dremeled out enough space for it to fit. So it's, it's 3d print to make stuff and Dremel to take it away. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So, um, so let's let's get into more more of the mechanical design. Um, you've talked about ramps and them being three D printed. How did you get the the shape, the form, and um, in terms of the three D printing, did you have to print them in smaller sections and connect them, or did you have access to a large three D printer? No. Yeah. That, that's that's a good interesting question because my three D printer is only like. 220 millimeter by 220 millimeter. Which is like 7,000 feet by 7,000. I don't know. What, 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 what's the conversion uh, again? <laughs> uh, it's basically like the size of, I don't know, a small personal pan pizza, you know, okay. that you would get at pizza. Well, I, I appreciate you putting it in terms and all. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, I, I did that in Blender and that was a learning curve because, you know, I had never used, they're called Bezier curves. <laughs> like that's how you can have something follow, you know, a an arc in 3D space. And so I kind of started with that and oh, I've iterated on those ramps probably like 20 times. Uh, just even though I have the full machine modeled in Blender, and that's one of the benefits of that is because I could design a ramp and I know that it will definitely fit. But then there's things like how much do you want it to curve and 
uh, uh, steepness and where do you want the inflection piece, you know, things like that. Uh, it's, it's an iterative process. And that's why I love 3D printing because it allows someone to have very cheap uh, access to something that you can then turn into. I mean, it looks pretty good. You know, it's, it would look a lot worse me pulling out my Dremel tool and uh, doing all the subtracting plastic. You were talking about the color that you actually ended up finding for the the ramps. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you, you look at the ramps, and I mean, you can tell that they're 3D printed, and that's sure. kind of the charm of the machine at the same time. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, they are they are colored. They're not the normal color you see in 3D printing. Um, and so the the so, so what did you do to ultimately print them in small pieces and get them to connect so the ball flows smoothly? Yeah, so I can design the entire ramp in its in its full form in Blender, and then I just slice it up mm. uh, in Blender. You can you know you can easily separate meshes and and three D objects like that. So I would anything that I'm designing, like the boot in there. I don't know if we're going to talk about the boot. Oh, we're uh, going to talk about the boot. Okay, same thing <laughs> with that. Yeah, I just slice it up, I print it, and I add in my own um, fixtures so that I can use like bolts to. <laughs> connect them together and uh, make it a nice solid piece. Oh, okay. I I interesting. So you don't try to um, to put some type of joint or connector into the model. You're actually just drilling a hole and connecting it with. with, um, with yeah, the no, I would say those are definitely in the model. If, uh, if you, if you look at it, usually I put them as far out of view as I can, but on the bottom of those ramps, wherever two pieces connect, I have about, uh, I don't know, a pencil width worth of, of attachment pieces that come off of the ramp that allows me with holes in them. And that allows me to drill a couple bolts into each of those. And it's pretty secure. I, I, you know, they've, they've lasted this long. And uh, one of the things about 3d printing is a lot of people, the comments that I would get is like, well, I mean, the 3d print isn't going to really last. And, and I'm like, well, you can make it as long as you strategically put posts so that you're not hitting full force on a small little edge of a 3d print. 3D print's actually surprisingly durable. Yeah, it, and especially depending on the infill and the the, sure. the parameters yeah. you set. Um, yeah. Is there anything special you do to make the the um, top you know more flat or easier for the ball to roll, or it, yeah. it just? Yeah, that was another iteration. Is after I took it to my first, it was a Denver, the Denver Expo. Even after like two days of play, I noticed like a black streak on these white ramps, and I'm like, oh, that. Wonder if I can somehow alleviate that. I ended up going to like an Ace Hardware and I bought polyurethane spray. Yep. And I just kind of sprayed them. You know, I do one coat, sand it a little bit, another coat, sand it a little bit, and it's working for me. Um, it you know you can't you can't see it too much, but um, it definitely provides a smoothness. Uh, it allow you know the friction is a lot less for a ball rolling up, and you know it kind of gives it a nice finish. Yep. So that's that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, is there a special technique to the actual ramps themselves? Do you print only what is necessary for the ramp or do you have more structure to it? And so basically you build what's mounting it to the to the play field as well. Um, it's pretty minimalist. There's not a whole lot of extra stuff on there. You know, I I kind of had to play around with how thick how thin can I make the walls. I could, I could probably even go a little thinner than what I have, but this is working. It's stable enough. Um, but that's about it, other than the fixtures that I need to add for, you know, in order to attach, you know, multiple pieces to make one big ramp. Gotcha. 
Um, so let's talk about wire ramps as well. You started adding wire ramps as you progressed through the project. What was the what was the technique there? Did you build your own wire ramps? Did you buy them? Did you have somebody else cut them? Yeah, shout out to uh, the pinball room. Um, Steve, yeah, I was watching his videos and he had a video on making wire form ramps just about the time that yep. I needed to make mine. And you know, I commented on his YouTube page. I'm like, man, this was perfect timing. Thanks for this. So I kind of went went to his video and he kind of gave me enough to be able to, you know, there's uh, my ramps, they're, or sorry, the wire form ramp, they're not super fancy. And if you look close enough, you can see that it's not, you know, that it's human bent, but they, they look decent enough. And on this version, I decided to also uh, spray to paint them and put on that same polyurethane lacquer to mm -hmm. kind of give them some durability. So yeah, those took like a couple iterations, but um, yeah, that actually wasn't too big of a struggle for me. Yeah, I, I love Steve Condors's uh, uh, videos, um, and that that ramp one specifically. You know, he he had the the 3D connector to put the ramps together, which I think you use. It looks like you use something similar. He yeah. talked about how to bend them and what material to buy, and it was it was just a really informative video on yeah. on like how to do how to do wire form metal work, like sure, for, yeah. for an absolute novice. Yeah. Um, so so with that, let's talk about the mechs because the mechs are you know they they. They they truly make this game. You've got a, a couple interesting ones. You've got dust, you know, the the dust boot um, ramp. You've got the 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 ball going through the drinko and ending up in the in in in, in the in the uh, cup. You've got a rotating mech. Like, so why don't you talk about them and and how you went through the design, the iteration of of your mechs? Sure, I'll start with the beer pong table because that's kind of what I based the the entire machine off of. I knew I wanted, as I mentioned earlier, I knew I wanted something where the pinball is falling into a red solo cup, right? Because that's like the quintessential uh, beer game. <laughs> uh, so I started with that and uh, I probably iterated on that design 15 to 20 times as well. And I have one more iteration planned just based on feedback from talking with folks at Expo. Um, it is complicated. Uh, I probably made it way more complicated than, than I need to. There's two cups that are, they start out vertically and if you get the ball up into the upper play field, there's only one way that the ball can get out of that play field. Well, as long as you don't shoot it back down the ramp you came <laughs> came up from. And it's falling into one of those cups. And I have two solenoids beneath the table that act as levers. And they basically move a sliding trap door that, that rotates. So it's kind of like a it's kind of like having your finger underneath that cup. Yep. And when I command it to move, that that finger moves out of the way and the ball is allowed to fall. So after you capture the first ball, that table is mounted on a servo motor that I can then tell to move 180 degrees so that the other empty cup now is in the same position that the first cup was in. And if you lock that one, the table will turn 90 degrees so that every subsequent ball you hit up into the play field, it'll just fall to the play field surface and um you have to do something else in order to trigger that multi-ball so after those two are locked you know i show a video and a call out and if you uh, drop the ball on one of the two holes in the in the play field that'll start your three ball multi-ball from that so kind of built the whole game around that that's why i wanted to make sure that that thing is reliable and it's not quite there yet but i'm actually going to remove the solenoids I, I feel like I thought about this when I first tried the design, but I'm like, ah, no, this this will never this will never work. And it's basically just you 
you have this rotating table on top of the table that mm-hmm. has holes in it, and you you can just rotate that to force the ball over a hole in the table below. I probably didn't do it justice explaining it. But there, there, there's an old game. I forget the name of it. It'll come to me in a sec. Where you put marbles down and there's a lever that you push forward or back. And the two oh, players yeah. are trying to get the ball to fall through when the hole's lying. Stay alive, right? Stay alive. That's it. Stay that alive. It. Yeah. Oh, I love that game. Yeah, yes, my, that's a good That's a good description. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it's, it, I know I forgot the names because I'm old. It's one of my absolute favorite games. A number of years ago, my wife found a small portable version of of the game for me. Oh, funny! So yeah, no, it's, it's the state. <laughs> I totally, totally get what you're saying. Um, for the listener, as uh, as you were speaking on your website, you have a very detailed explanation with pictures of the old Mac and the new Mac and and the the revisions you went through. Um, the, this one still has the the solenoids. Yeah. Um, one one thing to note, I know you're getting rid of them, but what the solenoids are super small. What was the where did you find that part that was so, that that's such a small solenoid to be under there? Yeah, uh, I think Amazon. Uh, I was able to find them on Amazon, and that took a couple iterations too because uh, the sizing was always good, but then even the same physical size, you can have a 12 volts uh, solenoid, a right. 24 volt, and the first iteration, I was using 12 volt solenoids with a 24 volt driver. And I'm like, it'll be fine. I'm only going to be energizing them for like three quarters. Oh, yeah. Nope, that's yeah. not fine. So then I upgraded to 24 volt and then I ran into sticking issues where the tracks weren't. So then I added in ball bearings and like everything <laughs> else, you know, you iterate on it and you figure out what you, what's wrong and you change the design and get it going better. I had an old mechanical engineering uh, professor tell me the mechanical engineering is nothing more than either reducing friction or making as much friction as possible. Yeah. Hey, yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, all right. Cool. 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 So uh, what, what's the next uh, mechanism you want to talk about? Um, so the next mechanism is probably the, the DOS boot ramp. Um, in one of my earlier designs, that was just another regular ramp that, like I have on the right side with walls. Uh, and I posted you know, the state of my project, I think this one was uh, Pinside. And someone commented, hey, man, you need to get a boot ramp in there. And I'm like, 100% I do. I don't know why I didn't think of that before. So <laughs> it took me, <laughs> I did not design that uh, that boot, the DOS boot. I did find the STL, uh, which is a 3D printable file online. Um, so I found the boot. Wait, wait, but, but, but before you go any further, did yeah. you ever print it out and drink beer out of it? No. Unfortunately, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't know. Something about plastics and food consumption. Fair, I'm fair. not sure if I want to try that without uh, putting something out of it. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I did have to like hollow it out, hollow it out and make it a ramp, which was pretty straightforward and blunder. Um, and then my wife, contributed to this project she's the one who painted it so she did a great job painting it i think it looks great there um i I just love being able to shoot into that boot and having it come out wrap around and come out the other side 
So that that was a fun one. Yeah, and then- and, and and one of the one of the things in the movie about dust boot is because like everybody's like, what's the big deal about drinking out of it? But because it has the boot piece, you know, the, where where the foot goes, it's a ninety yeah. degree angle. And the whole joke of the movie was like, if you drink it too fast, the bubble builds up there, and like it pushes all the beer, and like it causes a problem. And so the 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 trick was that they had to turn it you know, while he was drinking at the exact right time. And so the fact that you've got it in there as a, as a horizontal 90 degree boot, it it really gives an homage to to the movie. I never even thought about that, Dan. Yeah, that's, that's good. (laughs) That was not intentional, but now that, now that you mention it, it it is intentional. (laughs) Uh, What other mechs do you want to talk about? Yeah. So I think my next favorite mech, uh, that's really just a ramp, but the next uh, mech that I love is the shot glass that I put in there with a quarter um and i've got a little solenoid below the play field that pushes up a little push rod that causes it to shake and i'm surprised that that worked like the first time out i didn't have to adjust you know didn't have to adjust like the power or anything i'm like wow all right that makes a pretty good coin jingling sound because prior to that i just had an audio clip that would play and i'm like i can get rid of that audio clip now because you can hear that even through the glass. So that was a fun one. Um, I've got Popo in there. So for those that haven't seen the movie, it's just a random movie gag about a doll that, that plays a critical plot point in the movie. I don't want to give it away. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I, I gave away the whole thing about the boot. So. <laughs> right. Um, so I've got Popo in there. I went to Fiverr for that because my modeling skills are nowhere near that to be able to, take a 2d image that I, uh, that I found online and be able to create this 3d model. So that was a really good fiber experience. You know, it was like 50 bucks and I thought it was well worth it. And then um, I painted that guy and put him on top of that um, behind him. You can't, you can't see it unless you're actually physically playing the game and, and you can look, there's like a hidden ball capture right behind Popo that I put in right before expo. Um, so that's kind of a fun little two ball multi-ball that, that you can get. Some, something to note at this point is a lot of the the brackets and like the pieces that connect, whether it's a light or a mech to the to the to the playfield, it's all almost all 3D printed. Like yeah. you you created like like if you need if you would have had to build something, you went and said, Can I 3D print a part that would do this? And it's actually quite interesting to see some of the innovation you had because you had the whole thing in CAD, you were able to build the exact 3d part that you needed for the geometry that you had, which is really, really cool. Yeah. And, and that's why in in my opinion, having a 3d printer is great. A lot of people just use them for little small mounts and everything. But for me, I'm not the best woodworker. I'm not the best metal worker. So just being able to design it, I know exact, I know the exact dimensions it needs to be in 3d print and not have to worry about, taking my Dremel and screwing something else up, you know, like that's been good for me. I know, you know, it probably, it doesn't make it look as professional as it could be, but Hey, if you need to get up and running, um, it, 3d printing is a great way to go. It's 3d printed and forget it. Like that's set it and forget <laughs> yeah. it. Like, um, all right, cool. Uh, so let's, let's go into electrical. Um, on, on, on your site, you've got a really, really good electrical map. Um, of of the whole thing and you've got a bunch of really nice under the play field shots which i mean you look at it and it's a it's a it's an elegant design so why don't you talk about 
you know, uh, what control system you used, where you sourced parts for, for your electrical system, how it came together, how you did the design for that. Sure. So when I was doing my initial research, uh, you know, I, I was kind of seeing what's out there and I, I stumbled upon MPF. So I started getting coding in that. Um, and then for the... Wait, wait, which is Mission Pinball Framework. Sorry, yes. Yeah. Mission Pinball Framework. It's an open source framework. It runs on uh, Linux, Ubuntu, as well as Windows, uh, but I needed it for Linux. And, uh, and you were you were just programming that and basically simulating the, the input and output yeah. on, on your machine. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I did a little research on what kind of control platform to use. And it just seemed at the time that MPF, uh, sorry, not MPF, P3 Rock, um, it seemed like from the limited user feedback that I that I read, you know, it worked. It, it might be a little more expensive, but it had all the modules that I needed. Um, that's one of the, that's what I liked about it is that it didn't have everything integrated on one control system. And I, I know a lot of other uh systems are also are like this and yeah i just kind of went p3 and that's kind of where i'm at right now i i still go p3 rock i'm running that um for all my mechs and everything just like everyone else like pinball life and marco specialties uh for some of the stuff if you've seen on my blog i even had to 3d print some mounts for yeah. some coils that that i didn't have mounts for which you know worked but you know I don't recommend it for like a long-term solution, but it, it got me going. Um, and then Amazon for a lot of other random parts. Uh, I get some coils from there. Uh, I get some other controllers. Um, there's some there's some specialty hardware underneath there, like a startup sh shutdown system. So I've got a little board that powers on. Uh, mm. I, I'm running a single board computer in there. It's a Latte Delta Panda sure. 3. You know, it 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 does what I need it to do. It allows me to hook up two monitors because I do have that um, playfield playfield. I, I, I have a few robots at work actually that run the the Latte Panda. Oh yeah! Oh nice! Yeah, yeah. Latte Panda Delta is the company, so it's yeah. Delta Latte Panda, and um, yeah, and a lot of other stuff I just randomly have stored here because I'm an electronics geek, so I've got a lot of parts just on hand as well. <laughs> So, so then, you know, we talked about control system, you went with P3, you went with Mission Pinball Framework. Mission Pinball Framework allowed you to basically build out the control code and the, the game logic. Um, what did you do around videos and game assets? And, you know, you've got that, you've those couple screens. How did you, how did you end up running them? Yeah. So I basically uh, bought BeerFest on Amazon Prime and I could watch it on my computer and I essentially ripped the whole movie right into a single video file. And then save that off as audio. And so that, you know, any audio clip I need, you know, I just pull it from that. And MPF, it, it just makes it so easy. You, you plop your audio files in a folder and you give it a command. Hey, uh, oh, this shot happened. Play this audio clip and it plays and it just works. You know, it's I, I love it uh, for that. And then for the video, that took a little bit. Again, I'm not the best video editor, so I had to find something for my operating system and it worked well enough. It, you know, it works well enough. <laughs> I can rip the, the video screen and, you know, some of the clips have the audio in it and other clips I just play silently. What, 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 what app is that? Oh, it's open shot okay. for Ubuntu. Um, 
I think that's the best one that I found so far for my for my research. So yeah, gets the job done, and you you can rescale it because I have different size screens. Mm-hmm. So 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 you built um you know you, you, we've got a beer fest game. Um, it clearly is theme integration is fantastic. You've got mechs and and the look and feel and the artwork. It's really it, it really is a a world under glass. And you like I, I'm I'm telling you, you feel like you're you're watching the movie again when when or I felt like I was watching the movie again and I was in Munich when playing it. Um, the with, with that you know for the game code itself, not the control piece, but what makes the rules the rules. Um, did you build modes out? What is the per- like? What are you trying to do during Beerfest when you play the the pinball machine? Yeah, so um, I kind of looked at other examples to kind of get a feel for. And they MPF Mission Pinball has great tutorials. I recommend everyone go through the tutorials. And so I got really familiar with how to code modes. And yeah, so part of it, and this had changed significantly from my last. Uh, for my last version, um, this version, I kind of knew I wanted to have my game modes. The primary game modes are in the center there, uh, that are on that, on the little 3D table. Um, things like quarters and uh, volume chug and strikeout, those are all like beer fest events. So I knew I wanted to have a buildup where you got to collect all those before getting to the wizard mode. And then on this version, I also added in a country, some country inserts, because in the game, uh, excuse me, the movie, they play different countries. And so I wanted to have that battle aspect in there gotcha. as well. And so I, I put those in there. So the the main game logic is you can complete either of those sets of, of goals to launch a wizard mode. And I think I coded it where if you... If you capture both sets, then it does like a double wizard mode, you know, something like that. And, and yeah, so that's the basic gameplay is is getting qualified to to get those theme modes. And the way you qualify is pretty simple right now. You just keep hitting targets uh, when your ball starts. And as you hit those targets, your beer mug fills up on that embedded display. And once your beer mug fills up, then you have to make a shot to uh, to trigger one of a one of the random game theme modes. <laughs> so, um, have you considered um, uh, making it so it actually becomes a, a a a drinking game when four people are playing, where they also need to take drinks while you know while they translate through? I'll I'll, I'll let you marinate on that. That that yeah, that that would be a good idea because for those that don't know and haven't seen it, this thing actually has a little mini beer keg. <laughs> Not a beer keg, a beer fridge in place of the coin door. So it can definitely keep your beers cold while you play a four-player, yeah, drinking game. <laughs> so um, you know, it was it, later at night at, at Pinball Expo, not too many people. Um, uh, we 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 may have been having a, a few drinks right there while at where all the all the all the customs and homebrews were. And you walked up and you tapped the the flipper buttons in a specific order. And why don't you tell what happens in that case? Yeah, so I had the idea to to put an Easter egg in the in the machine. Um, and by the way, there's also an adult and PG thirteen switch on the back, where some of my clips are a little raunchier than others. So if I know there's going to be kids around, I can put it on the PG thirteen. Um, but I knew I wanted to put an Easter egg in there, and 
I I think I found some sample online, a, a MPF code sample to to do kind of what I wanted it to, but I did have to adjust it to to make sure the pattern is correct. Uh, um, if you like mathematics and you like pi, you might figure <laughs> out the pattern. I'll leave it at that. But yeah, so you hit the you hit the left and right flipper buttons in a certain pattern, and it depending on what adult mode it's on or kids mode, it'll show a, either a scene from the movie uh, or a clip from, I, I had gotten video of me working on like the very first prototype and it's all in shambles. You know, it's just basically a piece of wood. And, and, and so, yeah, that's a little neat Easter egg. That for, for, for the audience, the video of you working on the machine is not the adult mode. It's the PG-13 one. <laughs> that is a good clarification. <laughs> Those are two separate things. <laughs> awesome. So, 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 Greg, I, I really appreciate you coming on and telling your story. Um, I, I'm jonesing to play Beer Fest again. Um, and you know, ho hopefully, I'll get, I'll get to see you, you in the machine soon. Um, is there any, any parting words you want to say, or anything you learned, or any advice you would give to the, the, the next Greg who's just getting started today? You know, it's, it's the equivalent of your 2021, or maybe even when, when you were in junior high. What, what would you tell them? Yeah, I would just tell them if you're passionate about something, don't let the complicatedness of it scare you away because you know, I've I have a lot of experience doing projects, but this was a beast uh, on its own, but you just break the problem down, you know, you start small, you start with the VPX and you know, you're not going to do it in three months. I mean, maybe some people could do it in three months. <laughs> or, but, or, or you know, might be able to. <laughs> <laughs> right. For those that have normal jobs and whatnot, and this is just a hobby, you know, and as long as you get enjoyment out of it, you know, go for it. And I've learned so much doing this project that I probably never would have touched, like, CNCing. Uh, you know, my projects that I make are typically, like, handheld. So, you know, I don't, I don't really have the need for a CNC. But yeah, it's just been a great experience. Don't be afraid to jump in there. And you've got a whole internet community uh, to lean on when you when you get stuck. And if you enjoy what you're doing, you're going to enjoy it. So that's awesome. Well, listen, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for being on the on the annual, you know, the one year anniversary show. Uh, it's been awesome to have you on it. And I look I look forward to seeing you. Thanks. Well, thanks for having me on, Dan. It was uh, it was fun. Appreciate it. Cheers. All right. Thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for listening. And I can't wait to see what you make. <laughs>